This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 737, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands and wearing masks and being cool. Yo, what's up, Blastmaster KRS One? This jam is kicking. Word. Yo, what up, D Nice? Yo, what's up, Scott Rock? Yo, man, we chilling. This funky fresh jam. I want to tell you a little something about us. We're the Boogie Down Production Crew, and due to the fact that no one outside there knew what time it was, we have to tell you a little story about where we come from. South Bronx, the South South Bronx, South Bronx, the South South Bronx. South 
Hello, welcome to my fanboy pick of the week, episode 737. I am Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. It is Josh Flanagan. You know, we've only done like two shows since the start of the lockdown by ourselves. Really? Yeah. Well, we had, we had Ron on for so long doing GI Oh, I see, yeah. He, I, yeah, I consider those like guest appearances, but I see what you're saying. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Easier edit. That's true. So, there you go. It's all about making our lives easier. We are iFanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics, although I don't know what we're going to do next week. One of us picks the one we like the best and called the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books in the week, the patron pick, some listener mail. Hopefully we have time for all that stuff this week. It'll be fun. Here's your spoiler warning. There's, this, there's going to be spoilers. This is a review show. Use your head, Josh. Yeah, pick of the week goes to, uh, and, uh, and I'm not sure the proper order. It's either Marvel Snapshots Captain America or Captain America colon Marvel Snapshots number one. Don't know. That's, it. That's according to the title page. That's it. That's it's true. But the cover yeah. appears to say otherwise. Now, And also, there's nothing, nothing to do with Marvel. So. Yes, that's true. That's Oh, there's no apostrophe. I well, thought Marvel's, they were. It's the it's the brand. It's the yeah. Alex Ross Kurt Busiek brand. Yep, right. So I did know that much. I, I see that we have an Alex Ross cover here. I know that uh, Kurt, Kurt Busiek curated. He's he's <laughs> he's credited as the curator of this series of books, which I guess have been coming out completely uh, out of I didn't know, because I was sort of like looking up information on this book, and I realized that this was a thing. But what we have here is is what I thought was ostensibly a Captain America story. It's not. It's not. Uh, by Mark Russell. Who, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if uh, listeners may have heard of him. And then art by, and I didn't even, I skipped over the artist's name as I was reading this. Like, this looks great. Oh, it's yeah. Ramon Perez on art. When was the last time you saw him on anything? I don't know, but it, that's a that's a treat. Um, So, like, based on the cover and the title and what comics are like a lot, I had no expectations. I didn't know what it was. I didn't. I didn't. I I literally thought I was just taking a flyer on a light week, right? And as I I kept reading, I was like, oh oh my god! And uh, there's a I, 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 I don't I don't tend to be like well, I need to give a trigger warning, but I I am gonna give you a little warning. So you've had your second. There's a baby murdered on page seven. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is this is not the book I thought it was. It's it's interesting. It's a it's a mix. It's a mishmash of what your expectations are with a Mark Russell book and what and because it is very it includes very timely social commentary on the nature of well, inequality in society. Uh, you know who knows comics are made ahead of time. Who knows how long ago this was done? But uh, it, it it does start off very seriously before returning very quickly to sort of familiar Mark Russell tone. Yeah, he's. He's getting better at that, I think, um, in sort of like living around. He can't get rid of his voice. And uh, by the way, that's a strength. That's not really. I don't want him to. No, yeah. I don't either. And I and I think I think that there's probably places where it's more applicable than others. I was I was a little shocked by the opening, and I'm not someone who gets yeah upset about that stuff, obviously. But I was a little surprised at um, the murder and the way the way the murder happened. I was I was a little yeah. surprised. Uh, well, it was it was also sort of self. There's a whole bunch of reasons. Go read the book. It's 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 grim for sure, um, and, and uh, such to the extent like if I was editing this, I would probably say tone this down somehow. Like get to where you want to go, because it it really is a thing that's kind of hard to get around. And every time those characters pop back up, you're like, I, 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 you know. And he does he doesn't say they get over it, but it really is. No, they they clearly don't. They're sitting in silence yeah, at the dinner table. 
it's 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 rough. Oh, well, mad the mad bomb is is uh, set off in you know, in Manhattan. Mad the mad bomb hap- was something that happened in Marvel you know, a long time ago. This is this is historically accurate, mm-hmm. and uh, people go crazy. And uh, the interesting part about this is it takes place in the South Bronx, and so they're they're like at the edge of yeah. the blast field. So there some people started going crazy, and others didn't. One of them, including a mother, who kills her baby which because the baby's attacking her because they're right. both infected by the mad bomb and she whatever uh the the thing that got me is is so that that was really i'm gonna just call that sort of a, a bellwether of like that see where we're going but really to start off and tell a story and i'm gonna guess i don't know when this is supposed to take place but in the bronx well, it's the 80s yeah they're in their 80s costumes so um, as a comparison to it really is. It's it's a really wonderful question of like they were always the seeing, 70s, actually. you're always seeing superheroes in you know Manhattan doing all this stuff and then just up there is certainly in the 70s and 80s was the you know decaying blighted uh, uh, Bronx uh, because of many policies largely because of Robert Moses. Um, well, specifically the South Bronx because North Bronx yeah. is, is nice, but. Or at least at that time, you know. Right. But, so, yeah. you know, if you've ever watched a hip hop documentary when they talk about sort of where this comes out of and, and and what that area was like and the sort of general hopelessness and malaise, and I thought, wow, it's 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 bold to sort of put that in a story and, and call it a Captain America story. And then the other thing that uh, that interested me, uh, a, I I really thought, you know, that that shows a, a social awareness certainly mm-hmm. to be like, I'm I'm going to do this, and these are that's a real thing, and 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 the beginning. The, I don't remember his name. The main character kid. The Felix? Felix Waterhouse. Yeah. Maybe he read Cryptonomicon. <laughs> <laughs> Woe to house. Um, and, you know, he's talking about it. He's, they talk about the fact that the landlords are, are instead of, you know, they're burning down the buildings, uh, right. you know, to, because that's better than any sort of uh, rent they can get on. So that's how they get in. That's a thing. That was a common thing. Um, you know, and, and people like anywhere, if you live in a war zone or wherever you start to get used to it, I believe we all have a taste of that right now. Um, Felix, Felix being the main character here, he was a, he was a genius, clearly a genius, um, who works in his dad's electronics repair shop, fixing TVs and other electronics. He's good with amplifiers more than anything else. Right. (laughs) That's why you want to have the TK421 modification. (laughs) You can really feel the kick. Sorry. <laughs> um, if that's that's, I'm not going to explain that reference. But those of you who know know, and it's funny. Um, so then another thing happens that I thought was the thing that really put this over the top for me, and it's that. So basically, the, they uh, he gets recruited by AIM, and they give him a pitch, and he's like, you know what, sure. And so I love AIM. Yeah, no, AIM, AIM was great. This is a great AIM in this. I think if you gave Russell an AIM book, you give him six to twelve issues on it, you would have an amazing book. I think that's. I think you're right about that. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be the best because I mean that's right in his wheelhouse, corporate sort of <laughs> schmoozery and and overly corporate. I, I just love how yeah. they try to be normal, you know. Yeah, and 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 and, just... and you know, Felix is a smart kid. Bought it, you know. Like he's like, all right, all right you know, this makes sense. I've I'm in a place with no hope anyway. Uh, you know, all that stuff. Anyway, uh, when it all goes down, and you can read the story, I don't need to explain that part to you, uh, Captain America and Iron Man show up, and you get Tony Stark swooping in to be like, I want to offer you a job, and I thought, you're going to go awry here, because it's the White Knight sweeping in to save the one you know, standout kid, but then Mark Russell in what I thought was whatever the opposite of tone deaf is, 
mm-hmm. was you know having Felix go no that's not that's not going to help this problem that I have to deal with and you know I and I thought that was really especially I was going to say given the events of the day but a lot of the sort of thinking that's going along and, and being amplified and like you know like there's different uh, uh, solutions to this other than a rich person coming in and being like, let me give you a job so that you well, will be I happy. Well, I mean, it's partially that, but it's most of that, his pitch is let's build the future together and the kid's right. like, fuck the future, the, pa- the present is, needs to be fixed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's less about the job and more about all these, you know, guys with grand vision who want to build the future, but he's looking around his neighborhood seeing it yeah. literally falling apart and he's like, I don't, the can't, future, I'm not even going to get to the future. We need you, to fix the present right you now. You can't build the future on top of this, you know. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, one bit more is is you know he's sitting there having a heart to heart with Captain America, and Captain America's like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> you know, like he's like, "You're not doing anything for these people," which goes back to you know if we're talking about Denny O'Neill, yeah, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the line, but in the Green Arrow Green Lantern run, you know, the the old black man's like, "I see you doing things for the blue skins and the purple skins and the browns," you know, and the but what about what about my people? What about brown people? You know, and yeah. this is very similar to that, you know, where was it Green Arrow or Green Lantern? Which one of them? But like, he had nothing to say to that guy. He was talking to Green Lantern. Yeah, uh, I think. And, and, yeah, because you can't punch your. He tells Cap, "You can't punch your way out of this problem." You know? Yeah, and Cap's like, "I'm really good at hitting things," which is I thought was funny. I it's just like it's it's nice. It's nice to see one of these characters who, while fictional, who you respect and you know who mm-hmm. have a thing where, and you, you can see him admit to shortcomings and mm-hmm. admit to like I could be I do this thing you know but I I could be doing better maybe this thing isn't really what's needed. I, don't, I just thought, you know, this was probably made. This was made, you know, at a minimum three months ago, so mm-hmm. it was certainly before. Not before race was a conversation, but you know it's come to the forefront in the last month. Right. You know, you know, overtaking sort of everything else. But this was done before that, so it's you know, it's I don't want to say prescient. It's kind of prescient, but the timing on it was just really interesting. And on top of that, it was still entertaining. It was still beautifully drawn. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Ramon Perez is is one of our sort of premier generational talents. I think. Um, and so when he shows up, it's a special thing. And also, as a one shot, you know, like you go in, you read a comic book, you get out. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great issue. And, and you know, a, the surprise was a big part of that for me. Like I just expected nothing. Yeah, I thought I have the same reaction in terms of I read it because it was in the mix for patron pick. I yeah. wasn't planning on reading it. And then I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I mean, obviously, it should have been called Captain America. It should have been called Felix of Aim, Marvel Snapshots, but no yeah. one's going to buy Felix of Aim because Captain America's barely in it. And when he is, it's it's not really as a major fo- factor in the story. But um, that, I mean, then that doesn't bother me. And it might be because I know what you're saying. Like, there are lots of readers who would, and there's lots of me who would had it not been what it was. Sure. It was no. very, very good. Yeah. So that, that, that covers up a lot of it. I am going to need you to tell me about five years number 10, the final issue of this particular volume, because, uh, I mean, I read it, but I don't know if it's a successful ending or not, because I'm not as well-versed in the in the Terry Moore books. Uh, I can say from my perspective, from what this miniseries was built up to be from the last one, from the Strangers in Paradise 25 miniseries, is... It seems to end rather abruptly, and I'm not sure satisfyingly. Yes. I think that that is probably correct. I was not... 
I was not unhappy or, or unsatisfied reading the book. No. Although, at the end, I, I thought, wait, is that it? And I actually thought it was issue 11 in my head. By the way, we have most of our issues we're talking about today are issue number 10. Um, not most, but several of them. Uh, at, at the end, and so I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, it's 10. Maybe that is the end. Well, because it uh, says it on the cover. It's just final issue on the cover. Yeah, I never look at the cover. I'm like, it's the thing I always sort of go past right away. And But I looked it up, and it was, and, and um, I guess I should have looked at the cover. I think next time this happens, I'll look at the cover. Um, and and, and I, I think that... It was a really action-packed and interesting and funny issue. And then in about the last three pages, it was over. Yeah. And the huge problem they had all been fighting against this entire time just seemed to go was, away. was solved in a panel with the, with the narration. Yeah, our guys talked to their guys, and they stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah. And So I just want to back up for people. So... I know we've talked about this book a lot, but in case people haven't read it, so in the last series, which was Strangers in Paradise 25, the 25th anniversary series, at the end of it, they discovered that there's this technology coming, that there's going to make this bomb, this this fi bomb, bomb, is going to be created, and it's going to wipe out humanity, because they have like a prophecy. So the, the whole point of this series was they had five years to stop it, because it's, it's going to happen in five years, uh, hence the title of the book. And... So all the characters from all of Terry Moore's books, uh, Motor Girl and what's the sci-fi one? The, the literal deus ex machina character in this book. And Strangers in Paradise all get together to stop this thing with teaming up with these characters from Myth. To It, it, it became very heady. Um, and I think we spent a lot of this, this series just sort of hanging out with these characters so that the plot became kind of irrelevant. I know there was a lot of action in terms of like scientists yes. being smuggled around Russia and things, but th- it seemed like from the pacing of it, it was being plotted out for this long series because we, we weren't really plot heavy. And then so then when you get to the end of this, and it's just, it, as you said, it, it all happens in a caption box. So I was just like, huh, well, that's a choice. I mean, I, I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't mad at it, and I always liked reading the book, even if I wasn't fully into the, in on the plot, mm-hmm. because these Terry Moore books look like no other books that I read, and they're beautiful. So, I, in that I, sense, I was enjoyed it, but like I was a little disappointed by the way it wrapped up in a couple of pages. I think that I think that your your spot on is that is that it became more about hanging out with the characters, not not hanging out. I mean, there were stakes, there was danger. Yeah, yeah, but they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I don't want to make it sound like it's just people in a room. Like, no, it, was, it wasn't. This like... was super action packed. In fact, I, I don't know. He had bits of that in Strangers in Paradise, and it takes. It doesn't. It's not what that book people think that book is. Um, mm-hmm. But this was really kind of wall to wall action, car chases and and shooting and and you know stabbings, Russian and... agents, and all sorts yeah. of stuff like that. Um, and it did get kind of lost the plot, but I think that when it came to the plot. I don't think he was playing to his strengths, Terry Moore. I mm-hmm. think it was a good plot. It was a good idea. It was everything. But, like, it was a thing that was going on in the background. And I assume he's going through this and writing it. And, you know, like, I'm out of space. You know, and... and Which is funny because he's self-publishing and it can be as long as he wants it to be. Well, yeah, but I'm sure that there are economic concerns about that. And it's... it's well, know. I mean, because I don't know if you kept reading past the end, but, they, you know, there was a, there was a post-credit sequence. Yeah, so I, I assume he's setting up a sequel well yeah no that's the thing like it, it totally i was it, you know the part when julie showed up mm-hmm. um 
And again, I, why can't I remember the name of her, her book? But it, uh, was it Echo? No, that's was it? Might be. Um, when she showed up, I thought, oh, that's really cool. Cause, and I thought, I want to spend some time with her with these people. You know, that when she... Yeah, it was Echo. When she zaps the, the, you know, the car chasing the little mm-hmm. girl and the scientist, I thought, oh, yeah, there's some really cool stuff that they could do from here on because they've got this, this Captain Marvel character right. with them and <laughs> another blonde woman. There, I mean, like, uh, you know, if I have to criticize everything, I mean, there was... I think she's brown-haired, but it doesn't matter. What, like, it's, the, way she, the way it's colored, there's no color in it's her It's black hair, and so. white. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, it's... It, there was a bit, and I was like, all these women look the same. I have no idea. I have no idea who any of them are. I was like, okay, Kachu is beat up. That's her. <laughs> it got that much. Um, Tambi. Tambi. And then somebody else, yeah. yeah I mean, and I kind of just take that as part and parcel. Like, like... Terry Moore is going to draw women who look like this. Frank Cho is going to draw butts. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know, they both do those things well. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, but basically, like, I thought, oh, there's a lot of potential for stuff going forward. And I kind of wasn't ready for it to end. And then it ends really quickly. Uh, you know, like, you want to talk about, I always bring back, like, when, when Ron was mad about killing Cyclops off screen. Mm, you know, like, right. this is like finishing this, that plot where you have biblical characters and end of the world really off panel in one caption i mean it was so fast i went wait and i went back and i read i said did they just end, did they just fix the problem <laughs> you know it was but at the same time kind of cool kind of ballsy like yeah that wasn't really the point uh, you know I, and if it wasn't so fun to read it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't work but and i, I mean yes, it did work but i let it go it's funny because in a in a book in which you have like uh rachel and cleopatra's scroll and uh supernatural sci-fi character the the hardest thing to believe is that these governments would back off their weapon development which is not even shown as a you know not explored at all but i guess you have to go with it um i feel like i guess the series was more about these characters anxieties and fears in the face of this problem and not so much the problem mm-hmm. even if that was not how it was built up to be yeah you know in the last series it was like we have to save the world and it's like oh that's going to be an interesting story and this is more about their fear of dying from this bomb than anything else. You know what the tease but, of this book is for me is there is this background thing that's going on where um, Francine and Kachu have this family and we've seen mm-hmm. little bits of it and it's all about Kachu just wanted to get back to that. Mm-hmm. And and like, I want to get back to that. I, I really did want to see them together. Like if there was like a comic book story about a day in their life and whatever's going on and it was low stakes or whatever... I want to read that, and I never mm-hmm. got to. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's this, and, and that's to me, that's a very Terry Moore thing to be like. That's not our business. That's the thing that's going on over there. You know, that's because he's always referred to them as real people. Like, if you've ever yeah. heard him talk about them, you know, that story's over. That's them living their life away from this, which means away from us. And I get all that, but I do want to hang out with them for a little bit. I, I, because sure. I, I miss them, you know, in, in that way. And, and they got what they wanted. And that's really nice. And you want to see that. But, um, it's kind of, and he writes great it. characters. That's why yeah. you want to hang out with them. Yeah. That's true. And that, and again, I didn't, I did not enjoy this. I no. enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed the whole series. It's just, it was interesting the way it ended up going. And uh, I guess he's going to do more, which is... I certainly hope so. If the story's not over, they're still part of the scroll out there to cause keeps, more problems. And he keeps building. You know, like, he's he's got himself a universe now. I don't know I don't know if he meant to do that, but he, he does now, and it's kind of cool. And, and, you know, I there, there's a lot of fun characters. Like, is is what's the deal with the little girl? 
Is she going to marry that Russian scientist or is he going to bring up charges on her? <laughs> She's, I liked her. She it's, was great. It's reverse statutory. It's, it's a problem. Was, she was the most entertaining part of the story. I do like that he committed to the fact that the, the scientist was never charmed. He, he never was like, no. oh, it's okay. He was like, get her the fuck away from me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's adorable. It's like, no, she's a psychopath. I assume you did not read Green Lantern 80th anniversary of 100 page spectacular. I didn't know. It was good. Uh, all of these have been good, but are they, they are they extra size? I see eight oh, 100 page. Of course, yeah, they are they are long, but um, they're all short stories. You know, it's the same format as Robin and Catwoman, mm-hmm. and I guess we're going to go through all the characters, which is which is good. It's it's been a nice way to to look at their history. Um, I'm not going to go through all this again, but the first story was an Alan Scott story by James Tinney and the Fourth and Gary Frank, which was really good um, about. Alan Scott, you know, you know, James Robinson made Alan Scott uh, revealed him to be gay in the New Fifty Two, and so what they're doing now is they're they're reinserting that into his history. So here he visits the mother of the man who was on the train with him when it crashed, when he got his power, mm-hmm. and there's a lot here about um, repression, you know, in the forties, mm-hmm. which it was good. You know, it's a short story, and there's a lot of it's done through the art, the, the terrific Gary Frank art about how he. We see him talking to the mother while they're flashing back to him and the him and the man, and it's never explicit. It's all in glances and looks and mm-hmm. longing. And Gary Frank's really good at drawing facial expressions, so it's all very well captured. Um, it made me really want a 1940s Alan Scott book because hmm. he's he's the best. Um, there was a Jeff Johns Ivan Reese Hal Jordan story, which was funny. Hal Jordan crashes. On some in some desert landscape, and the ring is basically running out of power. He doesn't have his lantern. It's, this is all—it's all over for him. He's gonna lose his protection from the atmosphere in any moment, and so he only has enough power to send out three messages, like three holograms. One he sends to the core, asking for rescue and telling them he's—you know—been honored to serve with them. One to Batman, where he says, "You know, you taught me a lot. We didn't get, get along, but we, you taught me a lot." And the third one to um, Carol, and then. You know, he loses power. He lo- he uh, he loses his protection, and realizes he can breathe, and realizes he crashed in Las Vegas. Hmm. Um, but he just didn't know where he was because he was like knocked out. So he thought he was on an alien world. So he thought he was about to die, and it was funny. And then at the end, like, Justice League's making fun of him for the message he sent to Batman. Um, it was just a, it was it was it was a sweet story, and then it then it had like a nice funny button at the end, which I liked. Yes. I'll jump ahead there was a cullen bun doug monkey sinestro story which was good there was a denny o'neill which might be his last work mike grell story green lantern green arrow team up story which we just mentioned in a previous discussion mm-hmm. you would like i think the kyle rayner ron mars daryl banks story oh nice that's the team man yeah so you might want to check that out that was a good one um and then i'll jump ahead there was a guy gardner one which was i liked i actually overall liked this there was a Dwayne McDuffie's wife wrote a story with Criss Cross that took place basically in the animated world, um, mm-hmm. which was it was a team up between John Stewart and Hawk Girl. And then there was one. It, it, it ended with a Jessica Cruz story and then a Simon Bob story, which were fine. But the, there was one in the middle by Robert Venditti and Rafa Sandoval that was middle-aged Hal Jordan, John Stewart, and Kyle Rayner, clearly who had retired, mm-hmm. uh, meeting for an annual drink. Waiting for Kyle, Guy Gardner to show up, but clearly it, it becomes clear over the story that Guy Gardner's never going to show up because he's dead. And it was, 
It was good, but also kind of funny. <laughs> Kyle Rayner does not. He looks like a douchebag. <laughs> I can see like middle aged douchebag. But um, overall, it was good. I think these have been really good. These anniversaries. What, is, they, what they, have you? What have you liked the best? Which one do you think worked the best? Well, I think Robin was the best, but Robin's my favorite. You yeah. Know? But um, Catwoman was probably the least in terms of overall quality. Although it did have that Ed Brubaker story, but I thought this one hit hit pretty. High, high, pretty high average. I th- I'm guessing it just then it largely would depend on what your affinity to those characters are. That plus the creative teams. I thought the creative teams are better on this book mm-hmm. and Robin than Catwoman overall. Right. Um, you know, you had you had Gray Frank and Jeff Johns and Ivan Reese and Danny O'Neill and Mike Grell and Ron Mars. I mean, you had you had really good people on this book. Cool. I enjoyed it. It was fun. The uh, one of the other books uh, was Empire Avengers uh, number zero. Um, this is Al Ewing and Pepe Larraz. This is the prelude to Empire, which is the big Marvel event. I'm putting big in quotes because no one even realizes it's about to happen. There was an issue right before quarantine, and I don't I don't remember anything about what happened in that issue because that was ten years ago. Um, I actually really like this issue <laughs> against all odds. I read it because I was like, all right, let's just see what this is going to be all about. And so it, this is really their big summer event. Yeah, I've never Empire. heard of it. And and I mean that's fine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even in a place where I probably would hear about it anymore. It's very. First of all, Pepe Larraz is one of my favorite new artists. We talked talked about him for mm-hmm. the last also couple years. super fun to say his name. Yeah, um, it, it, it has a nice Pepe Larraz. <laughs> this 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 is very old school Marvel. So the basic premise is that. The Kree and the Skrull, after a thousand years of being enemies, have teamed up to take over the universe. So um, it opens up with Tony dreaming about the Kree Skrull War. And then in the course of the story, they run into the swordsman, the old, you know, one of the old, old, old Avengers who had, who had died back then, mm-hmm. who has now been resurrected by the technology that the Kree and the Skrull had had on the moon. So it, it, it harkens back to those old classic Avenger stories. Uh, with the Kree and the Scroll. I mean, Kree Scroll War is one of the seminal Marvel stories, and so here it's the twist is they realize why are we fighting each other if we, if we team up, no one can stop us. So there, this issue ends with their armada on the way to Earth, and that there's a big twist that I saw annoyed some people. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm, I'm you giving can feel you, free to spoil this for me. I'm giving you the double spoiler warning. We give you the first one in the beginning of the show. So at the end, so this issue is all about the Avengers realizing they have to. It's up to them to stop this invasion. Like, you know, uh, there's some discussion amongst the ranks what they should do, and eventually Tony gives the rousing speech of that ties into the first issue of Avengers. Like, you know, this is what we're here for. This is if it's a day like any other. No other, no other single hero can do this. We have to team up and do this together. So they have the rousing Avengers assemble speech, and we see the Armada coming. And we zoom in, and zoom in, and zoom in, and see one of the ships is the Fantastic Four ship, and the Fantastic Four are flying in with the. Korean a scroll. Hmm. So people are like, oh God, it's Civil War. It's Avengers vs. X-Men again. It's Now it's Avengers vs. Fantastic Four. And who knows if that's what it is or not. Um, we'll see. But there's like... Well, in the, at the end of the next issue or in the middle of it, there's going to be a panel that said they talked and it was all fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they talked to that. It was cool. We're going to hang at the beach. <laughs> don't. There's a lot. Don't hang at the beach. <laughs> There's a lot of tie-in issues. There's a checklist at the end. I'm not going to obviously read most of them. But who's who's driving this? Is this an Al Ewing? It's Al Ewing, writer of the Immortal Hulk, which we read for a while, but stopped reading. And people, I mean, people really like. Like, he's obviously got some talent, but like uh, that book didn't know when to rein it in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's weird. I don't know who the premier names are anymore. 
Like, it, it felt, there aren't any. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. I remember if, if God, that's probably decades. Not from a talent perspective, but from a influence and sales perspective. There's no, there's no names that really drive sales. That's really. true. That's Unless true. you, there's a magical combination of name and property that could drive sales, but like. You know, it's like almost like it's just Al Ewing's turn. You know, that's really what it is. Yeah. Well, I, and also, like, I guess to my own bias, I still think of him as a, well, who's this guy? You know, how does he get to do it? But, I, I, you know, he's been, he's been writing Avengers. It's not like he's, he's probably a veteran at this point. He's probably been in the industry for 10 or 15 years, you know, and uh, I'm not giving him that credit. But, yeah, I guess I haven't read the book that made me, that made me love him. Um, well, you really liked. We we both really liked Mortal Hulk for yeah, a while. I did, but there was a certain point where I was like, "This isn't this." The, it felt like it was going to be a story, and instead, it turned into you know I don't know what issue they're on now, but it's still it's still going, and I know that it's an ongoing, and that's the point. Well, it's about, well, it's, it's about to, they just announced it's about to end. Well, that was too long. Um, <laughs> did you you stopped reading it, right? Oh yeah, I did. We, I think we both stopped reading it at like the same time. Yeah, and it was just like whatever it was that had drawn me in at first. Had just worn out its welcome, I think. Um, and again, that that's that's comics. That doesn't really speak to to the writer, but it doesn't make I, me excited to read the the book. But you liked it. That's good. I hesitate. I kind of want to. I kind of want to tell you to read this be, only because it seems it feels very old school Marvel. Well, um, if, which we like. If my reason for not reading this is that I don't like what the title looks like and I don't really have an affinity or otherwise to the writer. You know, I'm coming into it with the same uh, same place I was on Deceased. Right. You know, it's a dumb title, and I don't really know anything about the writer. No, I'm not vouching for this I know. event. This event might be terrible, but I think this opening prelude issue, this issue zero, um, was a lot of fun. Okay. Now, occasionally does it veer a little into into the t- a little too much territory, especially with the Tony Stark. I think that's a problem with a lot of writers. Yeah. I think you know they're all trying to do Robert Downey Jr. and it doesn't always necessarily it's been, work. It's been twelve years, Tony. Tony. Um, so, so yes, occasionally it does do that. But I think for the most part, I was really pleasantly surprised by reading this. Like I, I don't know what my pick of the week would have been this week, and I'm glad I didn't have it. But I can't say this wouldn't have been in the conversation. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Um, and I'm not saying everyone needs to read Empire or everyone needs to read all t- 35 titles that are in the checklist, but I'm saying this issue, hearkening back to the Kree Scroll War, hearkening back to the Swordsma- Swordmaster, mm-hmm. Swordsman? Swordmaster, Swordman. Jacques Duquenzi. The sword, isn't the Swordsman? The Swordsman, the guy in the purple helmet with the mustache right. and sword. Who was Clint Barton's brother? What was he? He was the... The other guy. He wasn't the this Swordsman. Guy, no, this is the guy who trained Clint. He was, oh, he was, he was old, at the circus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. He was one, of, and then he was one of those Avengers that came on with, you know, at one point early on. I always liked him. Yeah. So he he shows up. Like, I, I was, apparently, oh, I fun. really liked the Avengers who like had like uh, medieval weaponry. Like, that was a thing. <laughs> you, you, you need a trebuchet maybe, Avenger. Maybe that felt like uh, like more realistic. Like. You know, yeah. I'm I'm not, I'm usually not drawn to the fantasy aspects. It's like, what if you put this guy in here who's just real good at you know, something? And that's our whole patron power thing. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I, I was pleasantly surprised. I think if you felt like checking this out, it'd be an interesting uh, discussion. But or not discussion, but it'd be interesting to see what you think of it. Is what I'm saying. Okay, I will check it um, out. Trick shot. But it, that's it what could Barney totally Barton was. He was trick shot. Trick shot. It could totally blow up in our faces, but we'll see. 
right. Um, let's take a quick break and talk about the patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. They deserve Those it. Pe- people help the show go. They, they keep the engine running. They're very generous with their time and, and money. We appreciate them. Uh, as we mentioned before, we had a stretch goal for the barbecue, sh- the returning the quarterly barbecue video show, which you're going to see the first one on our YouTube page in a couple of weeks, our very first barbecue one. But we had a new stretch goal. That's for the G.I. Joe, the G.I. Joe Corner Show, the show to be named later. If you want us to talk about G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, the the television show, the, the cartoon, that's our next stretch goal over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. It's a also, risk because a lot of them will be like, I do want that. And a lot of them like, I don't want that. So it could go either way. I don't even know if we want that. That's a that's an excellent point, perhaps one of the most important one. <laughs> I don't even know if I have time for that. I don't. Uh, then there's also our t-shirt. Did we tour. say that would be weekly? We did not. That's okay. why in the script it says weekly question mark, monthly question mark. We yeah. don't know. We, okay, we well, have not so decided. Let's go on the record here. We've not made that decision. No, we've made no promises other than the show will exist at least monthly. At fanboy.threadless.com is our merch store. It's not, it's not exactly accurate to say our t-shirt store, but it's our merch store. It's primarily t-shirts, but there's lots of merch there. We have our eight designs. I found my logo, her, and Pick of the Podcast ratings. If one is Electro, GDAT, nothing makes sense, nothing matters, and stay home and read comics. And as we told you last week, our stay home and read comics donation, because a portion of all those sales, 50% of all of our, our income from that, is going to go to the Comic Book United Fund, and that's happening July 1st. Now, we'll also we will donate past that time, but if you want to get into the first donation, the big donation, that's going to be on July 1st. So... Uh, you can check that out there. Also, you can get masks. You can get kid masks. All the crazy dystopian, depressing stuff that's going on. You can get the masks. At least you can do it with style. You, if you see Jimski on Instagram wearing the nothing makes sense, nothing matters mask, you see why that doesn't make some sort of sense in this crazy world. Do you ever do you ever project out to the future? You know how like the '80s come back and people dress like that or whatever, and then thinking like 50 years people are going to wear masks as an affectation if they're not required to do so already all the time, or if there's an Earth. But let's just like, <laughs> there will be a moment in time because I'm you're seeing the advertising change from like here's these safe things to making it a fashion accessory, which oh, I yeah. approve of because that just leads to more use of them. But you know, like it is going to become an affectation someday. Well, I'm just waiting to see it on, the, on like the the runway. Yeah, you know, like, here's your here's your mask. For well, the next you're all, you're constantly watching runway shows, as I as well. Obviously, I'm people all, don't you know. know that about you. You love <laughs> you love high fashion. I keep up on fashion. I keep up on high fashion. <laughs> uh, new designs we're working on, but for now, we're happy with these designs. Stay home, read comics again. Portion of all those sales go to Comic United Fund. Thanks to everybody who buys any of the merch. Josh, you have shirts coming? Do they arrive yet? Uh, n- soon. I gotta. I gotta. I got a notification. I ordered like a bunch. I did offer my children to get some shirts uh, of ours, and they were like, "We don't want those." And so I had to buy them other shirts, uh, which cost more. And so like they've got—I don't know—this threadless has gotten much more complicated since I used it a lot. So they're—they're they're coming from different places. Is the point? I think you just need to buy them shirts and say these are your shirts. Yeah. This I, shirt has your father on it. Yeah, but they're my kids. So <laughs> if I did that, they'd be like, "I'm not wearing that," and the, you're not winning that. You know, because I, I would have done that. I was like, I'm not doing that. You told me to. Forget it. Ifanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help us out directly via PayPal. We used to, you know, send the plea out to the, any eccentric billionaires out there, and we haven't done that in a while. You know, times are weird. The stock market's up and down. Who knows where you need to park your cash? If you're an eccentric billionaire who thinks it'd be funny to donate uh, lots of money to a podcast, that'd be, you know, there you go. Ifanboy.com slash support. I'll tell you what, too. Available. If an eccentric billionaire comes along and, and throws... 250, 500 million, a billion dollars our way. <laughs> we will donate half of that to charity. 
Yes. We that is our pledge right now. Yeah. For any one hundred percent, we will. For any six, any seven figure plus donations. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We'll half right away. We'll spread that around. Yeah. So there you go. And, and we'll drive it, it. I will drive it there in my Porsche. Think about that eccentric billionaire. <laughs> I found what a cop's good I would look in that Porsche. You're thinking, I've been listening to Josh all this time. There's sort of an implicit sadness behind him. You can get rid of that right now. <laughs> you, can, right. you can help someone today. <laughs> Just pennies on the dollar for you. <laughs> I found what a cop slash Amazon. That's where you can find the links to our books, load books, and our general Amazon link. And thanks to everyone who does all of the above. You do help the show go on. You help us buy new equipment. You help make the time and the effort worth it away from our families and jobs and things. And I do appreciate that, especially you eccentric billionaires who could really make the time worth it. I'm just saying, having driven, <laughs> having driven a late model turbo Porsche, it's a joy machine. <laughs> <laughs> you want to turn this frown upside down? I sh- <laughs> That's the noise I made. And... Uh, I could see you getting addicted to that. Not an option right now. Uh, I I know, Connor, I know that you have sworn off the the digital ones. But what they've turned into, uh, I'm talking about Batman Gotham Knights number 10, what they have turned into is this sort of like short story anthology by interesting creators. So uh, this week we had uh, John Arcudi uh, writing a story and uh, Andy Clark on art and the surprise Dave Stewart on colors. Um, Letters by Marshall Dillon. He should not be forgotten. Wow. Marshall, wow. <laughs> Marshall Dillon, who is the combination of two Texas football teams. Um, yeah, but also like it was a TV character. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, good name. Uh, you know, and, and we had talked a while back, and I, I never read it, um, um, but uh, Brian Hill did a detective story, and you were like, this is good. It was just a one-off sort of detective story, and that's what mm-hmm. these are turning into. So this was a, a sort of mystery uh, murder that happened uh, in Gotham, and Batman has to go figure it out, and he ends up going to a wild animal sanctuary, and and he goes after the guy. But it turns out that the wife, uh, you know, is the one who's responsible, and she releases lions on them, and he has to fight lions. And and the reason that he figures it out is because he smells her perfume, and he knows it's a very expensive perfume. Hmm. It's just like silver agey Batman mystery I, stories. I read the last couple of, after you talked about the mm-hmm. the the Russell ones, yeah. and then I read something else you said to read. They were they were, they were fine. Yeah, I, it just doesn't. I, I like that they're short. I think they're mm-hmm. the stories are I think eight pages a piece. And it, you know what's funny is that I was I was when I was thinking about what I was about to say about this. You know the hundred page spectaculars. I like the idea of it, but like it's a really big time investment to go through. Mm-hmm. And you know usually with those things, there's a couple of them that are good, and there's a couple that aren't. I, I like you know there's like two short stories I get to read, and so mm-hmm. they're not the best stories on earth, but they're interesting and they're not. Like one thing, I, if this was all like a continuous story of what was in the first couple, I'd be fine with it. But I, I tend to not. I look at the names and I, I tend to not mind dipping in if I see something that's interesting. That's and they're fair. fun for that. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, John Constantine Hellblazer, uh, number also number ten. Um, <laughs> a lot of tens. Uh, it was uh, it was the next sort of story in this thing. And, and man, I, I don't know what I did. To deserve <laughs> the return of of this character and this stuff, and I, by the way, I do hate that he is also the villain because I, I like I have a problem trying to reconcile yeah. that. And maybe they'll do it in the story, but either way, um, you know, Simon Spurrier, Aaron Campbell, and and again with the colorist who you wouldn't think would be there, Jody Belair, you, you know, doing you know old 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 timey 
Hellblazer stories from from Vertigo that's that are fun. This was about a this was a really interesting um, uh, mermaid story. Well, it's funny because you know I've been loving this book, and the first one, two, three, four, five, five, six pages, I was like, "This is a lot of talk about fish. I don't know if I'm going to like this book." Mm-hmm. Like, is this the, is it the first issue I don't like? And then by the end of it, I was like, "Fuck, that was good." Yeah, no, they that, exactly like they pulled it around because it was a thing where at first, like, did I miss something? What's going on? And then <laughs> right. it 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 really it tied back together. And, and they did a great little... job of social commentary of the mm-hmm. current situation in 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 England and yep. Brexit and the fishery problem and the and how there's fishing communities all over the world who are angry about the other taking their livelihood when mm-hmm. when a lot of the problem is they've overfished and there's no stock left and and again in one panel somebody's like well what if it's this and they all sh- they all shout him down so I think we've overfished and we got to buy our fish from Iceland now shut up it's the French yeah. <laughs> Um, um, pretty explicit mermaid sex scene. Like it was, it it was really good, and the ending was shocking and kind yep. of gross. But and in, in a good also way. that's classic John. You know, in yeah. that he just he kind of doesn't care. No, I mean like that he'd been using her to sell, he'd been selling her body in the market. Yes, yes, yes. But also the way that John like just was like, ah, yeah, that'll come back. You'll be fine. Don't worry. And then you sort of see, not the case. But it was uh, it was really it was good you know it yep. was just the amount of horror you want with social commentary with realism with terrific art it was really good oh uh, I haven't put this on the list because I want to get through the show uh, but I'll, uh, we're not ignoring Jimmy Olsen it was fantastic again but I tell you the same thing we told the last ten issues that we did yes so when did she this. left I'm sure we'll talk about the last one Thor five yeah Thor Don, five Donny Cates and Nick Klein I think this is Nick Klein's first issue drawing it no I think he's been doing it. Is he not? Not the oh, whole no, time, was, no. uh Right. Anyway, uh, what do you think of this? I like it. It's weird, but I like it. Yeah. Donny Cates clearly has an affinity for stories about the darkness coming to envelop us all. <laughs> that's sort of what he's done in like his Cosmic Ghost Rider Venom stories. and I get it, man. Yeah. The darkness is coming to envelop us all. But that's pretty zeitgeist- zeitgeisty, yeah. I I liked that the the villain reveals... Uh, were seemed very simple at first, and I was like, "Oh, Gore's back," and then it wasn't what it was. Um, I think that's a that's a neat little. I'm trip. glad that was what happened because at first I was like, "Oh, yeah. I don't like that," but then it was revealed that wasn't. I Gore's really stuff. liked uh, to give Nick Klein some credit um, when Thor sort of gets to the place wherever the evil is. You know, this this MC Escher like mm-hmm. construct that that everybody's sort of you know, or, or reminds me of like the. Uh, the bit at the end of Interstellar, you know, just this sort of otherworldly place, you know, that doesn't exist in our physics. Um, it's really big. The only, my my one problem is that uh, I'm getting this story mixed up in my head with what was happening over in Valkyrie, mm-hmm. uh, which is very similar. Like we had a Thor who was changed and overtaken in that, and we sort of got this because he's and I couldn't remember. I was like, oh right, now he's Galactus's herald, and that's mm-hmm. why he he looks like this and. I, for some reason, it really bothers me right. uh, when they call Galactus by his first name. <laughs> Galen? Yeah, that's weird. I don't like that. I don't want him to have a first name. I don't like it when they called Kramer Cosmo. I don't yeah. like this. Um, that's minor. But So one thing I did like about this issue, and uh, people might not like this, but I did, was that it's a very comic booky thing to do. And we've talked about the fact that the Thor books can't be tethered to Jason Aaron's run. They have to break free and do a new thing. and. Mm-hmm. 
have that exist on its own. So here, as a result of these cosmic cosmic shenanigans, Thor's destiny has been changed. Time has changed. So he's no longer necessarily on that path anymore. Love that. That. That's exactly what needs to happen. So let that book exist on its own mm-hmm. and let them tell new store stories that aren't shackled to it. And shackled sounds bad because it is because it stifles creativity, but those books are still there. You can enjoy them. Now you've got a Thor who is not necessarily going to, you know, no writer wants to write someone else's story. So well, it's good. Yeah, that they, no, like if you know the end, I mean, it's the same thing. You could, you could look at Dark Knight Returns. You know, right. and just say, God, that is one of the best stories I've ever read. Every time I read it, it's great. I don't want to know that that is the end. I don't care. Or it can be if you want it to be. That's the whole right. point. Like, yep. if you're a big fan of it, you can say, that's my ending. But if someone really loves Jason Aaron's run, or like, I really love it, that can be your ending for Thor 2. But also now we can do many different things, which is the way yes. comics have to be in these. Yes. In the way that these work. But I really love like reading that, that, oh, there's been this, this thing has snaked through time and has destroyed your destiny, breaking your fate. Um I really like that. I like this look of Thor. I hope they don't go back to the missing arm, missing uh, hmm. eyeball look. Yeah. So those are the books we wanted to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Any patron can vote. This week was a close race for most of the period. We didn't have a blowout winner like we've had almost every time since we've been back. It's true. Uh, but the winner was another image number one because that seems to be the strongest, the strongest lobby in the patrons is – that Texas Blood, number one, Image Comics, written by Chris Condon. Art by Jacob Phillips, who you may have recognized from Criminal, who is the colorist on Criminal and the son of, uh, I don't want to say Steve Phillips. Why do I want to say Steve Phillips? Sean. Steve Phillips is the, was the old general manager of the Mets. That's where my brain went. Um, this is a crime story, and I am super curious to see what Josh thought of it. If... I had an idea about where this was going or what this was a little more clearly or that there was a slightly stronger hook, this might have been pick of the week. Interesting. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the tone. It was very much like living in the world of um, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. I like I like the small town sheriff and his relationship with his wife. I like all the the stuff that goes along with it. The fact that it's not a heroic character. I love the fact that I don't know if if this kid's doing his dad style or if it's just that's what he draws like because of how he grew up and who he is. But I'm super impressed by the art. Super incredibly impressed by the art. I mean, these are real people. There's no superheroes. His acting, his storytelling, you know, I don't know if he's getting notes. I don't know what it is. But for a guy who I've never seen do anything except colors, that is a hell of uh, uh, a debut uh, in terms of art. I liked that there was a supernatural thing, but it turned out it was a dream. Now, I don't like scene dream sequences, but I like <laughs> zombies even less. Um, you know, there was a, basically... With a little more seasoning, I think that this would have been better, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, a, I'm mixed on it. I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was more enjoyable when it was like a, not a one shot, but like a, almost an anthology because I thought maybe we were done with this story, but according to the end, you know, we're going to continue on with the sheriff, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, so we're on, a, we're on the 70th birthday of this, you know, small county texas sheriff who has to deal with problems in the city and it's not like this one story it's it's almost like 
he's just going through his day and there's a characters in the background that keep popping up and, and you know that eventually that's going to, what's going to come to a head and it does. Um, the art I thought was good at times and not good at others. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not bad. We've definitely seen worse. We have, and we've seen worse from bigger publishers, uh, but clearly, you know, I don't want to say somebody early in their career because I don't know how old he is, but or how much he's drawing he's done. But it was, I thought sometimes inconsistent, but not necessarily bad. Um, there was one sequence I had a big, I had a lot of trouble following. Um, I could not figure out what was going on. So, page seven on your digital reader here, uh, with the scene where the sheriff's on the f- he's on the phone in his car. Yeah, yeah, I had that. I caught that. The joke was that he never calls his wife on the phone. He uses his CB, he uses his radio, and the and the dispatcher is always pissed off at him. And so he's talking on the, the radio to his wife, but then we see the phone and her face is on it, which would imply that she's either calling him or talking to him. And then he someone yells at him for using the radio. He says, "I'm I'm talking to Martha right here," and but it's now he's now he's on a cell phone instead of the radio. Like it it didn't make sense. I, thought, I think that's I, an error. It. I think that panel three is an error. The mechanics of who he's talking to and what device switched in the middle of the scene. Yep. And it really confused me. I, I didn't know what was going on. It's, I, it's you're, you're right. I had that same thing, but it, you know, to the other side, like that didn't really affect the It's story. not a, it's not a huge plot point. No, it's, it is it's just, right. it's just a, a throwaway scene where he's talking to his wife, but I was like, wait a minute. What's too bad too? To? Because it's a, it's a nice, like I'd forgotten about the specific of it because it's a nice comment. I always like, when you have this character and then you see the other side of their life, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, I always think of Fargo. I love uh, Marge's husband in that uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, the, the, you know, the way that they are together and then, you, you know, she leaves and she goes to become a different person, but you know, that's in the background or we actually just watched, um, we watched misery recently yep. mm-hmm. and um, the, sh- the sheriff or the police officer and his wife, they're like a great part of that movie. I don't remember that at all. I remember. It, that. I can't, they're both actors who you would know. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who they are off the top of my head, but that was like maybe the best part of that movie was the way that you know sort of they interacted through the whole thing. And this is a little bit of that. Just one of those tropes that I, I really enjoy. I just want to. I just want to reiterate. I I did enjoy this. Yeah. Um, I didn't love it, but I didn't dislike it either. I thought it was solid, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it progresses. And I thought it was pretty strong. Uh, like you know, the dialogue was really good. The sense of place, the you know, you know, you know. I I know what you're saying about that sequence, and you're totally right. But you know, the the other like being in that convenience store, I you know, I know that Jacob Phillips does lives in the UK. Well, the writers from New Jersey. Yeah, uh, yeah, but he yeah, and he's not even from Texas. And I thought you know, and it was very much. I will you know, I think if I had to knock it for anything, it was very much a fictional movie version of this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, no country for old men or hell or high water, mm-hmm. like that that Terrific. kind of thing. But it's not a it's not a, even if it's a fictional place, it's not a place I don't enjoy being in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, as a debut, I I do wonder. I'm trying to think of like a musician who you know, if 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 Kurt Cobain's daughter came out with an album and it sounded just like Nirvana, you'd be like, well, that's, I don't know what that's about. Jacob Phillips has that to deal with a little bit. But also maybe not, you know, if that's the school that he comes from, because that's the guy he knows. 
there's much there's a lot worse things to imitate but because he does the colors for the other book because sean phillips does his own letters these look like it looks like an ed brubaker book and maybe that gives you a feeling of familiarity but it's gonna it's gonna hinder him and his brand unless he just wants to take over what his dad was doing and i think that, that ultimately could be part of the problem is that it's it looks enough like criminal that it but it's not criminal mm-hmm. and chris condon wrote a solid book but he's not ed brubaker do you know what i mean so yes, like absolutely like i said they're doing it's it not ex- seasoned enough exactly like the other book that's you know excellent and like the top of its class mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna pale in comparison and yeah. so that's you know I, just, you know but no i, I think there were a lot of technical things in here that were well done uh the fact the the sort of way that we weren't spoon-fed anything which is something that a lot of people do the most the most the most sort of amateurish thing in here is the one page uh, retelling of the story um, of the, of Walt, you know, is the dream that he had basically, mm-hmm. you know, and it's this wall of text, but it was actually written pretty well. So I, I kind of got through it. Um, but you know, the whole thing about the, the, the clues and leading up to, uh, you know, the casserole dish and getting it back. And then the shot of the thing, like that was all pretty, it's pretty good structure. And it wasn't spoon feeding me. And it was, uh, you know, it, I, I was I was in the place that they created. I think really well, so I, I like that part of it. I, but I, I think we agree. Let's do ratings on it. Ratings out of five, I'm going to give it a three. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. All right. So you're sticking with it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it goes, where it goes from here. I mean, especially pilots the, are always hard. So yeah, especially with the cliffhanger. I'm not sure. I'm not cliffhanger, but the ending of the story. I'm curious to see what happens next. All right, so also patreon.com slash fanboy, you can give it the $5 higher level and get your own superpower live on the show. Josh, take it away. Matthew Rosenhagen. Matthew Rosenhagen has the ability to uh, return uh, paper, photos, and documents to their original condition. Hmm. So, you know, any, any, any sort of old documents that are faded or torn or yellowed, he can return them to mint condition. Now, obviously, right away, you can see a market application of that. So if he went to the Library of Congress or to the National Archives, he could go, like, find the Constitution and, yeah. and return it to, like, as the, it was written originally. The day it was made. Hmm. Now, do you want him to do that? Is he the George Lucas of documents? Is kind he going of. to? Is he the going? Documents are fading. Is he going to flood? Is he going to flood uh, the comic book market with pristine issues from the Golden Age? It's a very lucrative market. That's what I'm now, saying. Now the question is: Does that mean it's original condition if it's a Rosenhagen re? You know, refresh. Does well, that, does I, I that change that, its value? I think that that depends on how he. How what is he, the nature of? of an artifact if it's in its original condition but it's not it's been well okay so that's changed that's one application of it but Mm -hmm. for example if you have a box of old family photos sure and they've faded and you can't see them or uh you know you're trying to read old records like if you're going you know like if you uh go to ancestry.com or whatever and you you can see the logs from when your parents you know got to uh ellis island and you you can't read it because it's all faded you bring that back you bring those photos you know from the 50s and 60s that are all weird colored and yellow back or film Right, you know all that stuff. So there's there's a there's a good application. There's a bad application, that's, or not necessarily bad. Jim Miller can uh, refill any glass receptacle. So, you know, I'm at the end of my water cup. Jim Miller could just pick it up and refill it to the top again. I very nearly had a beverage based uh, idea. <laughs> By the way, I thought of mine the moment I started talking. 
and uh, I was I had been drinking my beverage and thought, what about something about a beverage? <laughs> so <laughs> you just look around your office, and whatever you see is where the yeah. power comes. Well, from. I'm looking at a copy of Fantastic Four forty five on the wall, and I was like, you could you could spiff that. You could guy fix that up. right up. Um, yeah, like, it works with anything. So like you know, he doesn't have to spend a lot of money on alcohol. He can just keep refilling up bottles of alcohol or wine or whatever, uh, beer. Does Jim have a problem? <laughs> he could. It's a lot cheaper. Um, but also not just alcohol. Any, any glass or something close. So if you, you buy, you know, if you, you can still get glass milk with your bottles from some dairy. So it has to be can, glass, though. Yes, it has to be glass. Hmm. Not plastic. There's a place But if you pour does... if you pour liquid into a glass, you can then refill it. Right. So if you can take it out of its plastic container. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a dairy here that does, uh, you know... Dairy stuff, and they put them in glass bottles. Well, they've had to change because to glass bottles because they're not returnable now. Uh-huh. Uh, it's really good milk. What do you? What is dairy stuff? Like you know, like creamer and milk. I know. And, it's just, and, they do dairy stuff. They're dairy. Is that an incorrect statement? <laughs> no, it's just funny. I, I mean, they do beverages from the milk family. <laughs> I bought coffee creamer, and it was amazing. Like it was like I was like, "This is it's great," but it because it's so so sort of local and fresh. Like it went bad in like two days. I'm like, I don't yeah, know how yeah, I get that's through. That's the problem with dairy. I don't know how yeah. I get through a quart of coffee creamer in three days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, whenever I, I buy the local dairy here in outside of LA, it's always like, "Got to drink this milk." Yeah, I don't, and I don't want that milk that fast. It's too much dairy. Somebody, somebody make a cake because <laughs> I got a ton of milk to drink. Um, <laughs> we did. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can get your superpower live on the show. Do we have time for an email? Let's do one. Let's do Greg. I like Greg. Greg from Jersey. One thing I've noticed about the pandemic, and first of all, this email from Greg came in uh, in the middle of the pandemic when comics weren't coming out. Yeah, it was like two weeks as, ago. As a context. No, it was, it was more than that. Okay, this comics yeah. have been out for a couple weeks. It's, it came out in the middle of the situation where there was no comics coming out, so that's your context. Okay, but still. Greg yeah. from New Jersey. One thing I've noticed about the pandemic is I haven't missed reading weekly comics nearly as much as I thought I would. Sometimes getting a big digital stack on Wednesday felt like a burden and not spending a decent amount of money on comics every week has been nice. So as I decide what makes the most sense after the quarantine, I have to ask, what do Connor and Josh love about weekly comics? What, if anything, do you miss about reading weekly comics or comics every week? Mm-hmm. Um, J- uh, Greg is exactly the person that the comic industry fears. Yeah. The fear is that uh, when you weren't getting them, you'd be like, well, uh, why am I doing this? I mean, the business is built on a lot of momentum. Yeah. It's, it's yes. But So let, let's, t- let's, let's take that out, though, and, and you know talk about we can talk about weekly comics and the, the cases and the drawbacks. Uh, you know, I think he'd mentioned price and money, and I think that that's sort of a constant. You either sometimes though, when you look back, you know what a week of comics costs now it is it is not insignificant. You add it's that up, it, it really is. It, it's yeah. for the time spent. You have to really appreciate the medium. How's that? Oh, enjoy them. It's, you've got to be able to get getting the enjoyment out of it because it's not cheap. Yeah. And um, it's not. It's not like a long. You know, four bucks for an issue you're going to read through in five minutes is, you know, and then it, there's a bunch of others. So, you're, you know, it's not like you're going to be like enjoying this thing over and over necessarily. Yeah, I'd venture that most people, I don't know, I know that some do, but I'd venture that most people are not re- rereading their yeah. books. They're not reading them over and over and over again. And also yeah. I want to, I want to say that this is not, I don't think that, I don't think comics are unfairly priced. Uh, given the amount of craftsmanship and stuff that goes into them, I think that what we're really seeing is an effective economies of scale. Is that there's just not enough of them to make them cheaper? Yeah, I mean, if you want high quality people, 
working on them. People people demand high quality stories and art and coloring and production, and that's not cheap. No, but there's also the very small market who's going to buy right. them. So, you know, that, that's then you're all taking a bigger bite of it. If a million people bought each issue of a comic book, it wouldn't cost so much because they'd be making more money revenue overall. Sure. So there's that. Okay, getting that out of the way. So what do you like most about reading weekly comics? Now, I think I am actually more of a weekly reader at heart than you, which is odd because you're more of a TV person like that. Anyway, I we, we were just talking about you know the 80-page or the 100-page whatevers. The fact that it's an 80th anniversary with 100-page, and I'm used to 80-page giants. Anyway. Right, I get you. I... I don't like to read too much at once, you know, mm. uh, of a thing. I don't necessarily want to read a trade paperback in one chunk. Mm-hmm. I probably will, but it's, I, I really like, this is part of my, my comics, how I've been reading them. You know, you read this one for a little while, and there's this moment of, what happened before? And then you get back into it, and mm-hmm. then, you know, oh, right. And then, and then you, you get build up, and then it's wait for next week. And there is, this, or next month or whatever, but th- there's, there is something sort of fun and satisfying about that, that I don't know that that just has to do with when we grew up and how, but I like that, that sort of putting the light on the thing, rediscovering it, being invested in it, and then sort of having to wait for the next time it comes out, you know, especially if it's really good. If it's not, then it feels like a drag, but it was like, do you remember when, um, we get everything on in on TV. We get all the in-demand in stuff in one big chunk. Here's the season of this show right away all at once. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was when Hulu was doing uh, 11, whatever, 23. The Stephen 11, King 23, show. The Stephen King yeah. show. You know, we had to wait week by week. Mm-hmm. And it was so much more fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were all talking about it. Like the new, the new episode would come out. We would get excited, you know, because the opposite of that is this glut of... Everybody watches the show that comes out. Stranger Things comes out. Everybody watches it in f- four minutes, and they talk about it for the next week. And then next thing, another comes out. Like you get to stretch out the experience of the thing that you like, right? And I think there's something really powerful to that that the comics offer you. Well, there's a community around it. Yes. Um, That's you know, a good point there's, too. There's not like a community around novel reading because books come out and you. If you're really excited, you buy it when it comes out. But maybe you buy it a year or 10 years later. You know, you read it on your own. It's a very personal experience and as it, opposed to comics, which is a very communal experience. So. And it's fun to talk about novels with other people who like the same thing, but it's very difficult to stay on the same schedule, which makes yeah, it a it's, problem. And so TV has sort of used to have that communal experience when mm-hmm. shows came out at the same time and you had to watch them together. And it was a water cooler, you know, the quote unquote water cooler experience of talking about it the next day, which is pretty much gone now because even though most people will watch Stranger Things the weekend it comes out, somebody will watch it a year later or two years later. Or but everybody whatever. else who's watched it has forgotten what it was, you know, specifically. So you don't, you don't have that shared cultural experience with TV anymore. You get it with movies for big blockbusters. Um, but comics still have that thing where every week most people are still reading it in the same way at the same time, at least in the same couple of days, you know, the yeah. same weekly period. So you, to me, the most fun about reading weekly is Besides coming on the show and talking about it with Josh, because that's the, personally the most fun, yes. is um, is the sense of anticipation about what's coming next, like what's going to happen next week, mm-hmm. um, and then what are people going to say about it? What's the reaction going to be? There's the whole you know community aspect of it, which is the most fun. Well, you, um, you get more time. I mean, and we're biased. We do this show in this format, and I hadn't really thought about it before, but I, I think that's part of the strength of this show is that 
we have a little bit of experience. We talk about it. A little while later, it comes back on, and then we get to see how it developed and see how our opinion on it has changed and see how that experience changes, you know, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the worse, you know, when something sticks the landing. But we've been talking about it for six, eight, ten months. Mm -hmm. That's a great sort of, like, long-term feeling. You have a chance to absorb that in a way. If we were just talking about a trade every month, if every show was a book book of the month, it would not be the same thing. It would still be interesting and fun. Yes. It's just a different kind of experience. I, you mentioned earlier, like I'm much less of a weekly reader. Like, if, you know, if this all went away, I'd probably, I'd probably stop reading weekly. I'd probably just, you know, read collections and reread the stuff I have on my shelf. That's probably what would happen. But because then I wouldn't have the community, which for me comes out of the show. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't uh, hang out on Twitter anymore, and I don't read the websites anymore so for me the community is the show it's you it's the listeners it's the discord channel it's the facebook mm-hmm. group and if it wasn't a weekly stuff to talk about i'd probably just you know change my habits i don't know that for sure yes. but that's probably what would happen no i think that's definitely the case for me um and so there is a bit of momentum in it there's a bit of being in the community there's a bit of the excitement of you know there always the hope springs eternal aspect of what's yeah. going to come out next week maybe it'll be a really great comic I didn't anticipate being really great and that'll be exciting it's always and I think reading, discovering a book like holy shit this is great or a random yeah. issue of a book that wasn't great before but was great now yeah is is exciting so there's always that aspect of it too and I, I like. and I love that it's stretched over its I mean my favorite store my favorite stories are long form you know whether it's novels or you know a closed ended long comic book run or you know a TV series you know like that's what i like best and you get that with comics when they're done right but mm-hmm. you get to stretch it out over time you know it's like you can you can eat a giant meal all at once but you know sort of have that in the you know in the house for a long time to, let's say you made a cake it. let's say you had a lot of milk and you made a cake uh-huh. right you could you could sit there and eat the entire cake in one night and i probably did that when i was 18 but now you want to you want to stretch it out. You want to get a good cut container to keep it moist. I want to keep going back to that cake for a while. <laughs> yeah, you want to cake a piece of cake a day for like a week. Oh, I had day cake the other day. <laughs> I did. I was my mom had bought me a cake for Father's Day, oh, and then good. it was like one p.m. and I was like, I'm gonna have some cake right now. And it was just it was so luxuriant. <laughs> um. And so then he also asked, "What do we miss?" So at the time we weren't reading weekly books, we were we were doing the trade show because it wasn't weekly comes. What did we miss? I guess it's the same thing. But what do you like? It's the same exact. It's all tied up together. It's. I didn't mind the break. No, it was actually kind of nice, um, for a moment because I, when I thought about it, I hadn't had that break since I was twelve. Yeah. And so, it was off putting at first, but then it was kind of nice. And it made me think that maybe, I mean, the economics don't work, but maybe there's a way to build in some sort of off-season for comics, but obviously that would never happen. But it was kind of nice to recharge. You know, I was excited. That's a really good way to put it. I was excited to get back to the books when they came out again, as opposed to sometimes it can feel like a slog. Like Greg said, it definitely can feel like anything that happens every week for decades can sometimes feel like a slog. That's just the nature of humanity. But um, it was exciting to get back to them when they came back again. Yeah. I mean, the the lulls in quality you know they amplify the highs i think on a given mm-hmm. i think you're, you're right like on a given week like it's exci- the anticipation of like what's going to be great what kind of surprises there what thing is going to continue to excite and fulfill and i like I'd, i it'd be nice if there was more quality but i i very much doubt that connor and i could keep doing this if we weren't able to feel the excitement from the really good stuff that comes in. I think that's a Oh, for sure. Thing. And people have in the past said, why do you guys do the show? You don't sound like you're enjoying comics. And sometimes we're not enjoying the particular specific books we're reading, but we're never not enjoying the experience. 
Mm-hmm. Um, even if we you know have a week where everything is bad, that's just the way it goes sometimes. And I have I appreciate a good comic more now than I ever have. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like I, I feel like I'm in a position to be able to appreciate so much about comics that I didn't before. Um, and then also be able to be like, well, shit, that was fun. I don't even know if it was good. <laughs> uh, and that's good too. But I also like the break that we got a chance to explore some collections that we hadn't before, mm-hmm. which is just something we don't have time for. Yeah, that's true. That's so it was nice. True. It was nice for that break, in addition to not being in the weekly grind, which we all say lovingly, uh, to, uh, you know, be able to, to slow down and read some. I mean, we have the Books Blood show, but this was, it really forced us to have every week to be like, okay, now what are we going to read? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, uh, that was fun too. So, you know, you know, it was all weird. That was a weird time. But right now we're past it. Looks, the way things are going, it's entirely possible that may happen again. Yeah. Where they have to shut down the distributors again because of the virus because it's coming back. So, we might be back here in a couple of months where we have to, we're talking about trades again because there's no new books. Who knows? But I can tell you one thing: we'll figure it out and we will have a good time doing it. And uh, we'll talk about cake. We could do that. We'll talk oh, about man, cake, cake, the snack. Then we'll talk about <laughs> the band cake, and then maybe we'll. I tell you what, we won't do, and this is a promise: we will not yep. eat cake on mic. No, no, we've learned from our experiences that that's a bad call. Yeah. Although I did that, that show did, is is on YouTube now, and I did watch a few minutes of it, and it doesn't sound as bad as I remember it sounding. But yeah. still, we there was a show we did where we ate cookies, and that was a mistake. <laughs> they were good cookies. It was eating the cookies, cookies was not a mistake. Did Recording your mom make their, those cookies? She did. Your mom make good cookies. She was catering then. Uh, it it was not a good professional idea. It was a good personal idea. It anyway, very thanks, good. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, mom. Thanks, thanks, Lori. And Stu, who wrote in but didn't get on the show, but we have your sh- email, and you, you'll you get on the show soon. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, Connor, what do we got? What's on the... What can well, they contact at ifanboy.com is, is how, if you want to get on the show and ask about things, existential crises in your comic book. I'm, well, if you're still listening, I'm curious if anyone actually did stop buying over the break. Like, they're like, I'm done. I I'm could out. see stop buying and then unintentionally not buying again. I could I could see that. Like yeah, I'm curious. Oh, I haven't see, done this, and I'm not really missing it. I think that's. I'm curious to see what the sales numbers will look like going forward. Of course, we don't really know the real sales numbers, but I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Plus, diamonds now won't have all the sales numbers. It's just interesting. I know that that was the fear was once the momentum broke, people would stop reading, and I'm curious if there was any measurable amount of that. But mm-hmm. maybe we may never know. Anyway, contactfanboy.com. So we put a show out just right before this one came out on the feed. Media Explode number four. That thing you do. The discussion about the Tom Hanks film, and also we talked about what we're watching, what we've been watching the last month, and also we talked a lot about Tom Hanks's career, which sort of happened at the end, which was fun. It was a fun show, it was delightful, as we like to say. And so check that out in the feed right behind this one, and right behind that one, you can find Books Blow, Jack Kirby's New Gods, which we did uh, last week, yeah. last week, and that was fun too. We enjoyed that one, and uh, next up for Books Blow is Pluto Volume One, the. Um, we haven't done manga in a while, so that's what we're going to do. Pluto Volume 1. Apparently, you've got to read it backwards. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was looking at it yesterday, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get a headache. <laughs> Just because that's what always happens the first chunk of a manga I read, because my brain has to recalibrate how to read. But I'm looking forward to it. I've, you know, it's been, it's all it's been left-hand my, panel stacking. It's, it's okay. been on my, my reading list for a while, so I'm very excited to talk about Pluto Volume 1. It'll be coming to you in August. In July will be Josh's next Talks 
If you want to go over to ifimbo.com, you can find all of those shows and podcasts and everything uh, that is available. Every audio show we've ever done is definitely there. Almost. Not quite everyone. Uh, There's actually one show where the audio is missing, and I don't know where it went. It's uh, an old one. Yeah, the, and most of the make comic stuff doesn't exist anymore either, which is kind of... It's weird. i got to figure that out. Uh, you can find out what the pick of the week is before this show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy, following at ifanboy on Twitter, and at ifanboycomics on Instagram, um, which I, I believe this week will be maybe some surprise about it. Or at least I, I didn't know what it was going to be. There was no clue. It was kind of fun that way, which what is what was? we were just talking about. The pick of the week. Oh, yeah, week, yeah, yeah. This one, you know? Yeah. Uh, I thought you were talking about the picture of you on Instagram. No, not the picture of me on Instagram, uh, although there are some. No, the uh, one from on my fanboy that you. Oh Josh. God! I showed that to my wife. She was like, "Jesus, what happened to you?" <laughs> I've never seen a picture of myself where I was like, "You look too skinny," but that was it. It was weird. I I was, you know, preparing that video, that episode to put on YouTube, and I I randomly click on the timeline, and that was the still image, and I was like, "Whoa." Yeah. So I, well, I grabbed what, the screenshot. Put it, what Lindsay said it. immediately. She's like, "Was that right after you got sick?" And I was like, "Yep." Because I got violently ill after WonderCon in 2008, the, the Darwin show. And yeah. I lost like 15 pounds in a very short <laughs> amount of time. Um, and that's that era. That's really funny. Yeah. Well, it wasn't at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you can also subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. That's where we've been updating with our old video shows as unlocked by the patrons. We do, we do three a week. And this past week, as we mentioned, Josh talked about Green Lantern... Uh, one of the numbers, it was the pick of the week. That's the super skinny Josh mini episode. We also talked about uh, the best comic book creative teams at that time and funny comic books. So those are all on cool. YouTube right now. Next week, we have more. More stuff. It'll be fun. The week after that is the first ever barbecue email show. If you like this show, you can write a review of it over on Apple Podcasts uh, or whichever place that you'd like to write a review. You can you can scribble one on the post-it and leave it somewhere as long as you're staying six feet away from people. A yeah. real six feet, too. Not this bullshit four feet that people seem to be doing. Um, yeah. No, uh, seriously, uh, thank you if everybody does that. Leaves the star ratings, does all that stuff, or tells people about it on, on social media, wherever it is, uh, passing the word around about the show or, or, or telling people they might like it or talking about it is, is always much appreciated. And thank you for doing that and for continuing to do it. That's right. I expect more. Uh, and that is it for the show. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Josh. I'm Connor. Next week there's no new comics, so I don't know what's going to happen. It'll be fine. The human TR808. D. Nice. The poet. The blast master KRS1. The grand, incredible DJ Scott LaRock. Boogie Down Productions. Fresh for 86, you suckers. <laughs>